Good afternoon. My name is Emma, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the ZipRecruiter Q4 2021 earnings calls. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, again, press the star one. Thank you. Amy Gerafis, Chief Accounting Officer, you may begin your conference. Thank you, Operator, and good afternoon. Thank you for joining us in our earnings conference call, during which we will discuss ZipRecruiter's performance for the quarter and year ended December 31, 2021, and guidance for the first quarter and full year 2022. Joining me today on the call are Ian Siegel, co-founder and CEO, David Travers, President, and Tim Yarbrough, CFO. Before we begin, please be reminded that forward-looking statements made today are subject to risks and uncertainties relating to future events and or the future financial performance of ZipRecruiter. Actual results could differ materially from those anticipated in these forward-looking statements. A discussion of some of the risk factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from any forward-looking statements can be found in ZipRecruiter's annual report on Form 10-K for the year ended December 31, 2021, which will also be available on our investor website and the SEC's website. The forward-looking statements in this conference call are based on the current expectations as of today, and ZipRecruiter assumes no obligation to update or revise them, whether as a result of new developments or otherwise. In addition, during today's call, we will discuss non-GAAP financial measures. These non-GAAP financial measures should be considered in addition to, not as a substitute for or in isolation from, GAAP results. Reconciliations of the non-GAAP financial measures to the nearest GAAP metrics are included in ZipRecruiter's shareholder letter and in our Form 10-K. And now I will turn the call over to Ian. Thank you, Amy, and good afternoon to everyone joining us today. 2021 was an exceptional year for ZipRecruiter. Revenue grew to $741 million, a 77% increase over 2020. We saw outsized strength on both sides of our marketplace and across all business metrics, as you've probably seen in our shareholder letter. In a few minutes, Dave will detail the progress we've made against our strategic growth pillars. Later, Tim will walk you through our results for Q421 and full year 2021, as well as our guidance for Q1 and full year 2022. First, I'd like to highlight the unique macroeconomic backdrop against which ZipRecruiter delivered these phenomenal results. 2021 was a record-breaking year for the U.S. labor market. The U.S. economy added almost 6.7 million net new jobs, the highest single-year total on record. We also saw the highest number of job openings. American employers' appetite for labor grew as the U.S. economy continued its recovery from the severe impact of the pandemic. 2021 will also be remembered as the year of the Great Resignation and severe labor shortages. A record number of workers quit their jobs while many potential job seekers remained reluctant to return to the job market for a variety of reasons. These two macroeconomic themes resulted in a stunning low of only 0.6 active labor force participants for every job opening. In response, employers rolled out the red carpet to attract workers, raising wages, increasing benefits, and adding flexible schedules. 
We're now seeing wage growth pick up across all industries. The shortage of available talent compels employers across all sectors of the economy to use novel approaches to stand out. Using ZipRecruiter technology, employers are proactively recruiting talent rather than just waiting for applicants to apply to open jobs. Job seekers who previously spent countless hours searching for a great job are now getting showcased to employers and directly recruited. We believe we are moving the industry away from an era in which job seekers shoulder the burden of searching for a job towards a new era in which employers take the initiative and go first. We believe we are uniquely positioned for long-term success during these extraordinary times and the many twists and turns to come as the economy continues to expand. Before I turn the call over to Dave, I'd like to highlight several key promotions on our executive team. Dave Travers, who previously served as our CFO, was promoted to president. Tim Yarbrough was promoted from chief business officer to CFO. Also, Amy Garapas was promoted from SVP of accounting to chief accounting officer. All three of these stellar teammates have been longstanding, high-impact executives in the company. I'm also happy to announce the appointment of a fantastic new addition to our board of directors, Bree Carrere. Bree is the Chief Marketing and Communications Officer at FedEx. She is a dynamic and thoughtful business leader who I look forward to welcoming to the board. I'm excited about how these well-deserved promotions and Bree Carrere's appointment will strengthen our company as we continue to build a category-defining marketplace that redefines how people find work. After founding ZipRecruiter 12 years ago, I can say that I've never been so excited about the opportunities before us. We believe we have the right technology, the right team, and the right strategies to address this huge market opportunity, and our work has never been more relevant. Now I'll turn it over to our president, David Travers, to talk through some of the progress we've made against the three pillars of our marketplace strategy. Thank you, Ian, and good afternoon, everyone. While 2021 was a unique period in the labor markets, it's our continued execution against our three strategic pillars that allowed us to deliver such outsized results. I'm excited to share some highlights with you this afternoon. Starting with our first pillar, increasing the number of employers in the ZipRecruiter marketplace, we implemented a variety of strategies during 2021 to drive growth. From new product innovations to increased investments in ROI-driven marketing campaigns, we are committed to attracting and delighting employers. The results are clear to see in the numbers. A record number of paid employers participated in our marketplace in 2021. This growth came from employers of all sizes and industries, driven by both new and returning paid employers. Our product strategy of using extremely simple user experiences to deliver cutting-edge underlying technology continued to pay off in 2021. There is no better way to judge the success of this strategy than to let employers in our marketplace explain it themselves. For example, when you look at G2, employers continue to rate us the number one employment job site in the U.S. In addition, in Q4, employer feedback led G2 to recognize ZipRecruiter as the hiring solution users are most likely to recommend. Since this is our first call going over full-year financial results, we want to provide you with additional color on employer cohort behavior that demonstrates how our marketplace is growing stronger over time. While the 2021 cohort contributed to our record number of paid employers in 2021, average monthly revenue per employer from that cohort was 15% higher than the 2020 cohort during its first year. 
Additionally, revenue contribution across all annual cohorts was exceptional, with each annual cohort showing increasing average monthly revenue in 2021. These cohort results were consistent with our focus on deepening relationships with employers over time. The more employers get to know the power of the ZipRecruiter marketplace, the more confidence they have that they can pay more to get more with ZipRecruiter. Our employer marketing efforts put our product and its competitive advantages in the spotlight for employers. This investment, coupled with positive word of mouth from the companies using ZipRecruiter for recruiting, has generated over 80% aided brand awareness as of January 2022. This extraordinary level of awareness is a long-term asset that makes all of our employer acquisition and retention initiatives more efficient. Our long-term philosophy when it comes to marketing is consistent. We are scientists, not artists. We invest, measure results quickly, and then adjust spend in each marketing campaign according to their ROI. Disciplined employer acquisition and favorable revenue profiles have resulted in attractive cohort economics over the years. Our 2021 cohort of paid employers in particular had an excellent ROI, highlighting the financial efficiency of our marketing strategy. Now we'll shift to our second pillar, increasing the number of job seekers. Despite one of the tightest labor markets in history, we had 35 million active job seekers in our marketplace in 2021, compared to 36 million in 2020. Our ability to attract and engage job seekers at scale, despite their historic scarcity, was the result of a relentless effort to continue improving our job seeker experience. Job seekers have rewarded our efforts with a number one rating for our job seeker apps in both the Apple and Google app stores. As part of our effort to humanize the job seeker experience of ZipRecruiter, we vastly expanded the prominence of Phil, our AI-powered personal recruiter. Phil now introduces himself to the job seeker during the onboarding process in both our mobile apps and on the web. As the job seeker's personal recruiter, Phil engages at key moments to capture job seeker's specific preferences so that he can improve his recommendations over time. Armed with this insight, Phil directed job seekers' attention to great matched job opportunities tens of millions of times in 2021. In 2021, we began making significant marketing investments in building our brand with job seekers. Much of this investment in 2021 centered around developing and launching job seeker-focused TV spots, highlighting the experiences job seekers have told us about, namely that working with Phil was the first time they ever felt like someone was truly on their side to help them through the job search process. We love hearing these stories of job seekers' positive experiences and intend to share more of these for many years to come. Lastly, I will discuss our third pillar, making our matching technology smarter over time. As Ian noted earlier, employers have never been more eager to fill their open jobs. In response to the market-wide shortage of people looking for work, we worked harder than ever to deliver more great matches. Data from our growing marketplace powers our matching algorithms, which continuously learn and deliver better results. This allows us to drive great match opportunities to job seekers across our marketplace using products like Invite to Apply. Employers tell us our algorithms are working by rating applications as a thumbs up. We were able to deliver 55% more total thumbs up great match candidates 
2021 versus 2020, despite a historically tight labor market. We're proud of these results we delivered and the team's execution across these pillars. As we look ahead, you will hear more about how scaling both the number of employers and job seekers in our marketplace drives more data that feeds our matching algorithms, enabling us to accelerate the rate of change in how people find work. Now I'll turn it over to our Chief Financial Officer, Tim Yarbrough, to talk through the fourth quarter results as well as guidance for the first quarter and full year for 2022. Tim? Thank you, Dave, and good afternoon, everyone. Building on the momentum of Q3, our fourth quarter revenue of $220 million represented another record quarter, exceeding the guidance we provided in November. This represents 93% growth year-over-year and 3% growth over the third quarter of 2021. Paid employers were 147,000, representing a 64% increase year-over-year. The sequential decrease in paid employers in Q4 is consistent with what we experienced in pre-pandemic periods and represents somewhat of a return to normal in terms of seasonal pattern. Revenue per paid employer increased by 17% versus Q4 20 and 19% sequentially during the quarter, demonstrating employers' confidence that they could pay more to get more by investing in various upsells, posting more jobs, and increasing their total spend in our marketplace. Gap net income was $21 million in the fourth quarter of 2021, compared to net income of $53 million in Q4 of the prior year. Adjusted EBITDA was $48 million, with a 22% margin, compared to $34 million in adjusted EBITDA, or a 30% margin in the prior year fourth quarter. The increase in revenue was offset by employee-driven expenses, as well as an increase in our sales and marketing activities. After closing out another record quarter and an exceptional year, we're pleased to provide guidance for the first quarter and full year for 2022. We expect $220 million in revenue in Q1 of 2022 at the midpoint, which translates to a 76% year-over-year growth. Despite the unprecedented macroeconomic environment in 2021, our execution against the three key pillars of our strategy has given us confidence in our ability to achieve healthy revenue growth in 2022. We estimate revenue for the full year 2022 to be $885 million at the midpoint, representing 19% growth versus 2021. Our guidance reflects our belief in a gradual return to a more traditional macroeconomic and hiring pattern by the end of the year, which will drive revenue growth for us that is above our pre-COVID growth rate in 2019 of 18%. We expect adjusted EBITDA of $27 million at the midpoint in Q1 2022 and $130 million at the midpoint for the full year 2022. The full year 2022 adjusted EBITDA guidance equates to an adjusted EBITDA margin of 15%, which is in line with 2021, and reflects an increased investment in our internal teams to drive continued product innovation as well as sales and marketing expenses aimed at growing both sides of our marketplace. Our adjusted EBITDA margin guidance of 15% is above our pre-COVID adjusted EBITDA margin of 2% in 2019 reinforcing our confidence in our ability to grow profitably despite the increased investment. Additionally, on January 12, 2022, we completed a private offering of $550 million in aggregate principal amount of our 5% senior notes due in 2030. We intend to use the net proceeds from the offering for general corporate purposes, which may include capital expenditures, investments, and working capital. These proceeds, combined with our $255 million cash balance as of December 31st, 2021, bolster our cash position as we begin 2022. 
We also announced that the board has authorized buying back up to $100 million of our own stock. This share repurchase program allows us to take advantage of market disruptions that offer extraordinary investment return opportunities. The $100 million authorization represents less than the cash flow we have generated over the first three quarters as a public company and our strategy for growth based on both disciplined organic investment and pursuing select M&A opportunities remains unchanged. We're excited to finish our first fiscal year end as a public company with such strong financial results and outlook. We remain even more excited than ever before that ZipRecruiter is at the center of transforming how people find work and continuing to actively connect people to the next great opportunity. With that, we can now open the line for questions. Operator? At this time, I would like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Your first question comes from the line of Mark Mahaney with Evercore. Your line is now open. Okay, thanks. Two questions, please. You talk about the introduction of nationwide candidates to the uh, invite to apply solution. Could you could you talk about just how broad that is? You know, one of the uh, you know enduring trends, whatever takeaways from the COVID crisis, got to be you know work remote work. So just how big of a feature is that? Is that how big is the demand for that, that that you're seeing on both the employer side and on the employee side? So just if you'll talk on that. And then thanks for the update on the thumbs up metric. I thought you also had this great metric in the past on average days that job stays are. Um, uh, posted or something like that. Do you have an update on that number, uh, that, that annual number, how long uh, the job uh, stays are posted for? Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, thanks for those questions, Mark. And uh, so let's start with nationwide recruiting demand. Nationwide recruiting is the emerging trend in the future of work. It's something we've talked about um, extensively internally. Over half of job seekers uh, are currently looking for work that is either fully remote or hybrid in nature. It's their, uh, it's their number one demand, if you will, from employers, and only about 40% of jobs can actually be done remotely at this point. If you look at the pre-COVID period, less than 2% of jobs mentioned remote in the job description, and if you look at the current period that we're in, it's north of 10%. So there's been a 5x in terms of uh, employers' openness and willingness to accept nationwide recruiting as a viable solution in these incredibly challenging times in order to recruit talent. As far as job days goes, that's not a metric that we have updated, but we continue to uh, be impressed with the power of modern algorithmic matching techniques, particularly when you layer in Phil. If you look at the introduction of Phil, which is this persona that assists job seekers through the experience of searching for work, just introducing Phil to the onboarding experience increased the completion rate to onboarding by 29%. And these are these are the early parts of the process. So there are many, many more optimizations in store. As we've talked about in previous calls, this to us is not just a matching problem. This is a social problem. This is a human problem. And we're trying to make the process feel more human by introducing Phil as your guide and your feedback giver as you go through the process. Yeah, and this is Dave, just to, to jump on there, Mark, the the – in the current market environment with the scarcity of job seekers out there that we referred to, the, by far, talking to customers, the most important thing to them was delivering 55% more thumbs up grade match rates this year, uh, thumbs up grade matches this year, which really drove, um, amazing results for our customers. And that's what we really focused on. The, the, 
the time to, the time of, of a job being posted was not a material change this year. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Ian. Your next question comes from the line of Eric Sheridan with Goldman Sachs. Your line is now open. Thank you for taking the questions and hope everyone on the team as well. Uh, maybe coming back to some of the comments in the prepared remarks, if you think about revenue contribution and you take your comments on cohort and long-term philosophy with respect to marketing, I think the first question would be, how should we be thinking about the evolution of LTV to CAC or return on your marketing spend, both in the current environment and whether you have any updated views uh, in terms of the longer-term return on marketing spend, given the momentum you see on the platform? And Given that same momentum on the platform, the second question would be, are there elements of investments either on the marketing side or the product side that you're thinking about maybe accelerating or leaning into as we go into 22, given the, the broader labor backdrop? Thanks so much. Sure. This is Dave. Um, so, great question. So, on the, on the LTV to CAC and ROI front, uh, 2021 was an exceptional year across all three major areas in which we measure the effectiveness of our go-to-market spending. So one, uh, the, the, in terms of the payback period, um, and two, in terms of the total return of LTV to CAC over any long term as we project out what the five-year impact might be or something like that. Our LTVs have never been higher, our CAC's never been lower. And, um, and then finally, and potentially most importantly, as we experience both through the downturn and the upturn of the cycle, the power of the brand we're building is an enduring asset, and we've seen that in the, in the, the lows of 2020 and in the highs of 2021 and continue to see it today, where that 80% plus brand awareness um, is where you'll see us continuing to double down and, and will not um, rest on our laurels there because we know that when we are top of mind for a job seeker, top of mind for an employer as they even consider entering the market for their next great opportunity, that we then will have an outsized return from being right there right when they, th when they think about even considering jumping into the job market. So we'll continue to invest there. Um, and then in terms, of, um, in terms of other marketing investments where we might go, I think the biggest area where you'll see us go, and you've already seen us go over the past few months, is investing behind Phil and making sure that job seekers understand that the power of modern technology, which they've long known ZipRecruiter for, is combined with humanizing now the job search experience, which not that job seekers aren't necessarily used to seeing a technology platform do that, and they don't necessarily have the historical experience of viewing going online to search for jobs as being a, an uplifting and humanizing experience, and you will increasingly see us invest behind that in a way that differentiates us and points out how compelling and different the experience is in our marketplace. I was going to add one more thing, which is from the employer perspective, if you look at a job market where there is less than one active job seeker currently for every open job, that is a distressing landscape if you are an employer who is recruiting talent. So it is imperative that you find solutions that are differentiated that allow you to stand out. And nothing lets you stand out more than being an employer who can identify a strong candidate, reach out and directly recruit them before they have applied. 
And fundamentally, that's our invite to apply product. That's what it does. It flips the market on its head so that employers can go first. Job seekers love getting these messages from employers. It's the highest response rate that we've ever had from job seekers. And when they apply after receiving that outreach, they get the highest thumbs up rate that we've seen from any matching technology we've ever deployed. This is just a solution that makes sense. We're heavily investing behind it and accelerating investment in it because right now, more than ever, this is a solution that is needed. Thanks for all the great color. Your next question comes from the line of Doug Annis with J.P. Morgan. Your line is now open. Thanks for taking the questions. Um, I just wanted to follow up on the product investments. Um, if you could talk a little bit more, uh, you know, I guess if you think about matching and invite to apply and then fill, um, just hoping you could talk about how you build on those more in 22 or do you see another wave of kind of new improvements uh, in terms of product. So that's number one. And then two, uh, if you could talk a little bit about just mix in terms of 22 top-line growth from a paid employers versus spend per paid employer perspective. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I can talk about the improvements as it relates to Phil. So Phil is a personal recruiter, and that has that is a product that has never existed before. Almost all job sites in history have been self-service portals where you as a job seeker go in and, and guide yourself through the process of searching for work. And it's a process that no one ever trains you on, and it's a process that's remained fundamentally unchanged. You enter a job title in a city, you're shown a list of results, and you try to navigate to the right jobs for yourself to apply to. Phil is completely different as an experience. So Phil is going to give you perspective on um, where you stand in the market how much you're worth, how much competition there is, how many employers are hiring for your skills, so that you have context as you go into the process. And then further, Phil is a curator. Phil is going to find the jobs for which you're most likely to be a top 10 candidate, highlight those jobs for you specifically as soon as they come online, and give you the opportunity to be one of the first to apply. On top of that, Phil is also your advocate. Phil is going to literally pitch you to employers before you've applied, present you as a potential candidate so that they, in turn, reach out and directly recruit you, which, as I said before, is the preferred experience of job seekers effectively everywhere in the United States that we've tested. And we believe that this is the future of the job market fundamentally. It just makes sense that employers would identify the, the candidates that they're interested in and do the first part of the outreach process because that removes all the uncertainty for job seekers and it starts a much more fundamentally successful conversation and it's driving an ever-increasing amount of the hiring that uh, ZipRecruiter is able to generate. Yeah, and hey, Doug, this is Tim. I'll take the second part of that question. So um, of the two metrics that we, we disclosed, paid employers and revenue per paid employer, uh, 2021 was a pretty unique year for us in a couple of respects, but one of them was the, the surge in paid employers that we had into our marketplace over the course of Q2 and Q3 specifically. And so with that surge came a temporary dampening of revenue per paid employer, but I think what that masked was the the, the more general truism of our business where we see revenue per employer uh, march steadily up and to the right consistently over time. And you see uh, that show up in the annual cohort metrics that we disclose as well. Uh, the, the paid employer number itself might be a little choppier on a quarter-to-quarter -quarter basis, uh, but we, we expect that you know, from peak to peak or trough to trough as you, as you measure it, that that number also will uh, climb up and to the right over time as well. Great. Thank you for the details. 
Your next question comes from the line of Aaron Kessler with Raven James. Your line is now open. Great. Uh, thanks. A couple questions. Maybe first, just uh, maybe follow up to that question on kind of the outlook for employer growth maybe versus revenue per employer as we look into 22. And then uh, maybe it'd be good to get your thoughts on overall maybe kind of macro trends you're seeing in the quarter. And obviously, we're still at a pretty elevated level of job openings. Your thoughts and kind of do we continue to see that elevated level of job openings throughout 22 or do we get to more normalized levels maybe by the end of the year? Thank you. Yeah, so I think um, what we're seeing in Q1 so far is pretty consistent with uh, the publicly available um, jobs data that you're referring to. So, um, you know, things seem to be going along just fine in the macroeconomic picture, and so um, I think that maps to the guidance that we provided. Uh, over the course of the year, uh, the guidance that we do give does assume more of a gradual returning to normalcy, uh, as we mentioned before, and, and we don't know exactly how it's going to flow out throughout the course of the year, but we think it's reasonable to expect that the kind of come in rapidly um, as we go quarter to quarter. And so I think that'll, um, you know, have an impact on um, on a couple of metrics like paid employers, for example, but uh, with high confidence in the revenue per paid employer number uh, continuing to climb. Yeah, so Aaron, yeah. this is Aaron, this is Dave. Yeah, so exactly to Tim's point, you know, we're, we're north of 10 million job openings right now. We were closer to seven pre-pandemic. So embedded in our guidance is the idea that we're going to get, you know, closer back to seven over the course of the year, maybe not all the way there. Um, obviously, we thought in our 21 guidance, we thought we'd get there um, sooner. So it's taken longer than we thought, but we still think that we're headed back somewhere, you know, maybe it's eight, something like that, um, uh, over the gradually over the course of the year. Um, but but obviously, it's taken longer than we thought, but we still think we're headed back towards something more normal than what we see today. But that's just our best guess. And if we're if we're wrong in one direction or another, that will that will impact the guidance numbers we put out there. Great. And a quick question on growth margins. Looks like they're pretty high in the quarter. Is there anything one time or is it just some uh, nice leverage that you saw sequentially? Yep, nothing one time in, in the quarter. So just 91% overall. Great. Thank you. At this time, I would like to remind you, everyone, in order to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from the line of Ralph Shakart with William Blair. Your line is now open. Uh, good afternoon. Thanks for taking the question. In 2021, you had a, a larger sales and marketing headcount investment. Um, maybe if you talk to some of the benefits you might be seeing from this investment, both within SMBs and perhaps with enterprise customers. You know, are you seeing the ramp that you would expect by now? And as you look towards uh, 2022, are there any further investments uh, also expected? Thanks. Thanks, Ralph. Um, yes, so so we did um, significantly ramp all aspects of our go-to-market um, efforts, including our sales headcount uh, in 2021. The returns on that were excellent, um, as indicated by our uh, – or the early returns, I should say, um, because they will continue to come. Uh, we do expect to continue to ramp those headcount um, numbers in 2022 um, based on um, demand. So th those teams will grow, maybe not quite as much as they did in 2021. 
um, but we do anticipate seeing those grow. And, and we are scientists um, in the way we do headcount planning, just like um, we've spoken about when it comes to marketing. And so it's really a judgment based on the available data we have at the time, like, you know, lead counts and the um, quota attainment of reps on many different teams, and we'll twist the dials and knobs based on, you know, upsizing one team and shifting over from another team and, and increasing hiring goals of another team um, based on the data we see at any given time. Um, so we will continue to adjust that over the course of 22, and we should see the benefits of that. On the SMB side, it takes, you know, three or six months. On the on the enterprise side and the outside sales teams, it may take 12 months or more to see the full benefit of that, but we do anticipate ramping those teams in 2022. Okay, great. Thanks, David. Your last question today comes from the line of Trevor Young with Barclays. Your line is now open. Great. Thanks. Two, if I may, just first on the full-year revenue guide at the high end, it, it basically looks to me like it's just the, the 223 at the high end on 1Q annualized. Um, just how should we think about revenue seasonality um, this year versus what it was probably, you know, kind of pre-COVID? And then second question, you know, again, on the full-year guide, 18 to 20% revenue growth, but not assuming margin improvement. How should we think about some of the, you know, continued gross margin expansion and possible leverage in GNA now that you have the public company cost layered into the base? Is that really going to get eaten up by the, you know, the incremental investments that I think you mentioned in R&D and S&M? Thank you. Yeah, great. So, um, I got this is Tim. So, regarding the full year 22 guide, um, so a couple comments I want to throw out there. First, so we, we had a couple quarters of very strong performance in 21, and so that makes difficult year-to-year comps for 22, uh, for sure. So as to your point, I think looking at more sequential growth is probably more helpful for the year. And our guidance does uh, reflect two things. One, a glide path more back to a normal hiring environment, uh, but then also uh, a trend that are more similar to what we saw in pre-pandemic periods, so specifically you know, 2019. Um, couple extra points to consider for context, uh, just looking at overall revenue and, and adjust EBITDA guidance. So our, our midpoint for 22 is 19% growth um, compared to 18% in 2019. Uh, secondly, uh, the 885 um, at the midpoint for 22, 22 is over two times what our 2019 revenue of $430 million was, um, with adjusted EBITDA margins coming uh, up from 2% in 2019. Uh, up to 15% at the midpoint of 22. And so all this boils down to uh, a couple year uh, or a two year compound annual growth rate of 27% from 2019 to 22. So um, uh, more directly to, to your question, uh, I think the seasonal pattern of quarterly revenue within the year will reflect something more akin to what we saw pre pandemic. So with Q1 uh, being roughly in line with Q4. Q2, Q3 being relatively stronger, with Q4 being uh, relatively slower uh, as we enter into a more seasonal uh, period. And then um, your second question with respect to overall margins, uh, I think for the year, uh, you know, showing adjusted EBITDA margins at 15%, we don't expect anything meaningfully different in uh, gross margins. Um, so we do see, uh, now that we have some of the large one-time uh, direct listing-related costs, in um, in 21, we'll see some normalization within G&A 
And um, as uh, was mentioned earlier in the call, we're going to um, continue investing in some of these big initiatives like Phil and our um, other job secret marketing campaigns. Yeah, I'll just jump in there add a couple points there. One is embedded in the guidance is continued aggression toward investing in the business for the long term. We very much believe we're still in the early stages of building this business. And so we believe there are a number of opportunities that will show results not just in 2022, but well beyond. And two, I would just add that, that embedded in the guidance and as we look out across the business, we remain extremely confident in our ability to get to our 30% long-term EBITDA margin um, over time. And nothing has changed in that regard except perhaps our confidence increasing and our ability to do that over the long term. Great. Thank you both. This concludes our question and answer session for today and the conference. Thank you for all attending. You may now disconnect.